District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. All right, everyone. We are rejoined by Bruce Tag and Brian Lynn from Sportsman's Alliance to talk about a lot of important updates. I think there are two in particular that will most concern you. We're bringing them on kind of like for a mid-year update because something really stuck out, especially with the, these petitions that are circulating addressing the CDC and also the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. They'll explain more about that to you. But gentlemen, thank you again for coming on to District of Conservation. You betcha. Thank you. Thanks, Gabby. Always a pleasure. Can you talk about these two petitions, and we can dissect them individually, that are circulating? A lot of sportsmen's groups have started to pay attention. You guys were the first. Ducks Unlimited has also made a public statement petitioning or encouraging their members and followers to petition Department of Interior to oppose anti-hunting regulations by activist groups, by essentially banning transfer of meat across state lines. And you guys will explain more of that, but DU has come out strongly against it. We're expecting more sportsmen and conservation groups to condemn it. So what are the two petitions circulating? Who is behind them? And why should this concern sportsmen, hunters, conservationists? You want to go ahead first, Brian, or you want me to jump in? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. These is uh, behind this is the center for biological diversity and the national resource defense council. Um, they are petitioning, you know, this is, it's following the trend that we've seen to stop African import bans, you know, going hunting over in Africa, whether it's lions or elephants or buffalo or whatever, they've been trying to stop this stuff from being imported back into the United States for years now. We've been dealing on the, on the state level with California, New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, New Jersey, um, and it's something they've been trying to do to if you can stop the import, you can undermine the hunting and remove some of the desire to go to Africa and hunt these animals, which as we know is not a good thing, but they pretend like it is. Uh, so it kind of follows in that same trend, but now it's using COVID as the leverage and trying to gain the, you know, the public support and make it an emergency. Uh, and, and the language is that it would ban the import, not of just African game, but any mammal and almost all birds. And then those that are allowed in have to go through a chain of custody that is arduous to begin with, you know, and that's for anything. It, it comes across as being aimed at the pet market and other things like that, but it would impact hunters the way it's written that game meat hides your taxidermy from other countries could not come in anything. And then, as Bruce can probably explain in better detail, when the rules are married up with the Lacey Act stuff, it bans the inter interstate transport of that stuff. So you go deer or duck hunting or whatever out of state, and you cannot bring the hides, horns, feathers, carcasses, or meat back across those state lines. Right. So goes your out-of-state hunting incentives and everything else so yeah it'd be a huge huge blow to conservation to hunting and to wildlife management and conservation at all yeah gabby so so what brian is talking about is and there's there's really no you know it'd be three episodes on their own uh, but the bottom line is this is that both of these petitions again one that went to wildlife one to cdc 
um, they, they modify current rules under the, under the Lacey Act. Um, and once those rules get modified, um, in this case, adding all mammals and almost all birds, except for like parakeets, or there's a couple birds that are exempt. Um, and then when you combine it with the current rules of the Lacey Act, it would ban interstate commerce. So that's like the 30,000 foot view. Again, you have to take, you got to go ahead and take current Lacey Act and you've got to assume that all this stuff uh, gets passed through the petition rulemaking process, then slap it up with, with the current Lacey Act and you go through. And, and again, the bottom line is by adding all mammals, um, you then, as Brian said, you would be able to take processed deer from Michigan into Ohio or from New York down to Texas or something like that. So, um, you know, these, these folks are not, um, they, they pay lawyers a lot, a lot, a lot of money to figure out ways. Um, you know, we successfully, as Brian had talked about, we've successfully defeated these Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, uh, California of all States. I think we actually talked about that on one of the podcasts a year or so ago, uh, when it had come up. Um, and so now they're attacking, um, at the federal rulemaking level and uh, again there's you know there's two separate petitions here and, and what they're hoping is is that either fish and wildlife will bite on it or center for disease control will, will bite on it and make these changes to the Lacey act um and as brian said it would be an all-out ban um rugs you know taxidermy it, it says it right in here on the on the cdc one if you look at it mammal means any member of mammalia including mammal products Example, amount, a rug, or other display item composed of the hide, hair, skull, teeth, bones, or claws. I mean, that's, there's your, there's your taxidermy right there. So I, I think it's important to recognize that this is a petition, not legislation. Right. A lot of people are asking, what can we do? You know, like a lot of times we have action alerts that say, call, call, email, call your legislators. This is not up for debate. It's not being debated in Congress or a state legislature. It's a petition asking the CDC or asking uh, the Interior Secretary to act unilaterally and right. make these rule changes. Right. And so what they'll do, Gabby, is is if Fish and Wildlife or CDC decides to take this up, there'll be a couple, there'll be a public comment period. And that's what Brian's talking about, the difference between legislation and a comment period. Um, if they decide they want to move forward on this, then there is a public comment period. And we'll alert our folks, we'll alert you and everyone else with all that information on, you know, the, the federal, they've got certain specific things you have to do. You know, it's either got to be emailed or in a PDF form or, or sometimes they'll, they will we'll do an oral hearing where you can call in, but you got to sign up. But um, that has not happened yet. So, so that process has not begun yet. And I think um, you had had a question earlier about, um, you know, how that comment period works. Is this a done deal? Whatever. The only thing that CDC or um, <clears throat> Interior could do is they could do an emergency um, rule where they would not have to go out for public comment or that. Um, and I think the example I usually was bats, right? So there's a lot of questions of, of in this particular case, COVID, was it bats was it this or that so they could come out without having to do comment period and say we're doing an emergency rule here that no bat bat product no bat taxidermy or anything could be import imported 
for however long they want to do it and, and do some research. But, um, you know, we can never, ever say no to any of these things, meaning, oh, it's so outlandish, it's so extreme, it's never going to happen. Um, so we got to take all of these things seriously. The likelihood of this, um, either, either one of these petitions moving forward is, if we read the tea leaves, if you will, probably, you know, doesn't have the greatest chance only because it's so extreme and the administration really to date has not done anything that would be this extreme. Um, on the flip side, it's 2021 and we've seen some crazy stuff. Uh, one of the things I think that we're going to touch on here is a, an Oregon ballot initiative. Um, we're actually the, the author of it um, in a video said it's in his own words, it's a radical initiative. So we take, you know, Brian and I, we look into, we do research and we look into all these things. We take everything serious. Um, but this, this is pretty extreme because it would be all mammals. And if you look at it, I mean, just as you said, it's 2021 COVID fears. It's, you know, it's a hot button. It's a push button that you can leverage and use and gain public support for. And so it opens that door. You don't know how that's going to come down using public health as your driver, you know, and your messaging. So it very well could find an ear within the administration or at, uh, you know, the public health level. That's a good summation, I think, of the petition. And I will also include the show notes, uh, all the links to those two in particular for everyone to read. Also, the original blog post that you guys crafted. And do you think it also could be handed down by a secretarial order? I think that's one way that they could use their power to enact a policy change in addition to the emergency order you alluded to. But I feel like if they wanted to put this into effect um, and not worry about the wrath, I think they could do something like this, but I don't know, would it be too liable for them to do this? Even though they're not really friendly to sportsmen, we all can see that now. Do you really think they would risk following the whims of NRDC and Center for Biological Diversity? I feel like they would get a lot of blowback. I, I agree with you, Gabby. I, I do. And, and I think it sets up for lawsuits, um, which, as you know, Sportsman's Alliance is um, no stranger to those. Um, um, I think you'd, you'd have a lot of groups, um, you know, that would line up to uh, to sue. Um, and I, I just don't know if the administration or, or, or any of the leaders of the different departments that have the appetite right now with everything that's going on um, politically. And as Brian alluded to, you know, the, the big health issue that we've got with, with COVID, you know, um, the, the, just the, the dynamics. I'm just not sure there's a stomach there, but, but I, you know, don't take my word for it. And the uh, other thing is, is that, you know, it, Fish and wildlife would be slitting their own throats. They'd be undermining the the economic model model that supports them. You know, with out of state hunting and and transport, that's a lot of money. And so, who knows? But again, twenty twenty one and COVID, you can't predict anything. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, but I think the political calculation would be very bad. I don't see even with them stacking people who probably largely align with their philosophy of the preservationist variety. I still think there are still some people in fish and wildlife service who are non-political and they are guided by science. And they would be like, this would be so counterintuitive to 
Pitt and Robertson funds, um, preventing people. I mean, how many millions of people, how many of us have transported game across state lines? I have. I've transported game from Wyoming to Virginia. I have from North Carolina to Virginia, Virginia, Southern uh, Pennsylvania, you know, different fish. I've transported fish from Pennsylvania to Virginia. So it would affect so many of us, I think, just simply wanting to bring back game that we've harvested or caught. Um, it makes no sense. I mean, certainly they're like you were saying, they were trying to lump it in with uh, zoo animals, pets. Of course, they're going to throw something in there because they're going to I think maybe they, did, do you think that they read into that news article that said that uh, what is it? Deer are carriers of covid and they have antibodies. Was that also a reason why they wanted to lump it in? But I think they wanted to find a way, a loophole to go after hunting in such a manner. And maybe they found it like this. Is that something, you know, those two thoughts, um, so many people transport game across state lines. And then do you think they followed that story about deer and, and COVID antibodies? I don't know if they followed that story in particular, but it's, you know, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. As Bruce said, they may not go with this entire initiative, but they may say, yeah, we're going to stop deer because of this, deer transport across state lines because of this, or, you know, maybe part and parcel, you know. Yeah, let's stop the import of all mammals or African or from Asia or wherever else it is, and they may go with some variation of it, which accomplishes by step what they've been trying to do in California and Vermont and and New Hampshire and, and New York, New Jersey. So they they would accomplish it. Like we've said before, it's death by a thousand cuts and you just keep moving the ball down the field little by little, getting first downs instead of this one touchdown with the petition victory. Yeah, and and, and Gabby, these, these folks are opportunists, right? So Center for Biological Diversity, Natural Resource Defense Council, you know, they're using COVID to scare people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's simple as that. It's it, straight up as simple as that. And they're saying, if you don't, stop people from bringing taxidermy in from Africa or across the country, you're going to make COVID worse. It, that's simply what it is. There, there's a, there's something that's already out there that's got a lot of people scared, right? It's a political hot potato, right? And they come in from the backside and say, well, here's another way to get COVID. Here's another way to spread COVID. Um, it's interesting when you dig down into the um, uh, the petition, um, you'll see where they say that the transport of taxidermy stuff is is not as high. Um, it's not it's not as high uh, on the list of ways for for it to be transferred, but it can be, hmm. it could be. So we just gotta we just gotta stop it. So um, you know I don't think there's anything other than you've got COVID out there and you've got people all riled up and these folks see an opportunity to try to get one of their dream wishes done, which is to ban all forms of hunting, fishing, and trapping. Straight and it's up. not a new tactic. They did it in California with yep. the import bill there. They added an amendment to add live markets in there in order to change kind of the face of that and the PR yep. messaging behind it. And they also did it in Washington this last year with a bill to end uh, the fur trade and because of COVID being found within mink farms in the UK and a couple in the US, but that would have banned all fur products in Washington state, as well as trapping and the the trade in furs. And that's coming back next session. It's a carryover. So it's not a new tactic, but it is a great messaging piece right now. 
Yeah. And, and one of the other things too, Gabby, and, and I know we've talked about this in the past before too, is particularly with the states looking to ban African imports, um, they can't preempt federal law. And there was a Ninth Circuit Court, I think, decision, uh, which is one of the reasons that California Brown refused to sign it a couple of years ago and why we believe we didn't go anywhere last time out in California. Um, but if you change the federal rules and regs, then your states could ban it and they're not violating, they're not preempting federal law. So, you know, can't get it done in the states, let's go to the feds, use COVID and try to do it through the rulemaking process instead of passing it through the legislature and see what happens, so. That should really be quite disquieting and going against the science. And I don't know if we'll talk about this later, but I saw that study from, what is it, North Carolina State University that that kind of assessed how college students think conservation is funded. We could probably go into that uh, but it would completely eat at the model that we rely on, that we use, that guides conservation and hunting as a one of the primary tools. It, it's insane to me. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, like there has to be backing information supporting this. And I know some people were like, where is the supporting info? And I, I knew you guys were going to provide it. But like, yeah, it just seems like what they're trying to do again with any incremental ban. We've talked about this theme before. They're trying to find something to slowly chip away at the hunting heritage, this is the way to start your right, exploiting the COVID pandemic, tapping into people's fears about zootonic transmission for diseases, things of that sort, and just scare people to not eat meat that they harvest. Although it's proven to be a lot more healthier to eat, um, even aside from COVID concerns, and more people are going to the field and to the water to do this. And it's one of the, actually the approved, not that we need approved behaviors or activities, but it's one of the approved and encouraged activities during COVID to go fishing and hunting and to even get that, take that meat if you harvest it successfully or you want to bring it back home. So it goes against actually what we've been encouraged to do throughout COVID to go outdoors and to get meat for ourselves too. So I could see this really just blowing up in the face of the administration if they were to pursue this. But I don't know how closely Secretary Holland has the ear of CBD or NRDC. They were big supporters of hers. She has propped them up in the past. I don't know if it would be too much of a liability for her to bend the knee to them. But you never know. I mean, we see another issues. A lot of things are kind of going to, uh, to to interesting situations. So I don't know if she would be. I mean, she she probably should know better not to agree to their demands. But who knows? Anything can can go. Well, here, here's the other thing to think about, and it's, it's so, so ironic, is that not only will it undermine the North American model, they admit in those petitions that none of this will work if we don't supply funding to other countries and within the U.S. to redirect those markets and come up with something else that makes it more attractive. Something else. They don't know what, but something else. And they, pr they propose using conservation dollars to do that. So not only are they destroying the model, they want to take whatever money is there and give it to other countries and other markets and develop something else using hunter dollars mm -hmm. to do so. Makes no sense. And, and, and the other thing, Gabby, is, is that what we are looking into currently right now is, is does these two uh, petitions in particular violate trade agreements. Mm. So, okay. So, you know, if we've got a trade agreement and this gets to what Brian was saying um, on this model of, 
doing this, doing that, you know, uh, do you then have to go through the legislative process and and uh, redo trade agreements with countries where American hunters or, or for that matter, uh, <clears throat> other hunters of the world are going somewhere, um, you know, and, and coming here to the United States, whatever, you know, so uh, that's something that we're looking into as well, you know. A lot of these rules, regulations, and pieces of legislation that get passed over the years have tentacles that go hundreds of miles deep, and they're tied and tied into everything. And sometimes just changing one sentence of a piece of legislation or a rule or regulation can turn everything upside down. So, um, you know, that's another thing you've got to look at, um, and, and we're doing the research on that right now. Excellent. Yeah. If it does violate certain treaties, that would make it especially complicated. And if they're doing it through a rules change from what I understand in the bureaucracy, which I mean, they think they can get away doing that. But I also suspect that many groups, and I think together, the sportsmen's groups are pretty powerful and can have a say. But even if there is opposition, we've seen this in other areas of this administration, which are not super germane to the podcast, but I feel like you can have opposition be united and they still will pursue something. Um, but I think there could be a lot of blowback from, let's say, the the hunting organizations that incline themselves more to environmental interests. Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory which ones those are. Maybe they would be like, eh, this is a step too far and you're going to alienate a lot of people and hurt your efforts going forward if you're trying to have some gains throughout the next four years or whatever. And yeah, it just seems like a lot. And I think as more people start to learn about it and, and realize what potentially could be at stake, I could see huge blowback, definitely across all political lines. I think a lot of people would be very disconcerted about this and, and much more. So now that for some reason, the Zoom is starting to kick me out. So let's talk about IP13 while I have you guys still here. What is going on with Oregon? And I've heard that this would essentially eliminate not only hunting and fishing, but also farming, ranching, and other activities. So deconstruct that for the listeners. Sure. So uh, IP13, um, that's just the number it was given. Um, they are currently in the process of collecting um, signatures uh, to be on the ballot <clears throat> in uh, 2022. Um, they have to collect 112,060 signatures. Uh, I'm sorry, 112,020 signatures uh, to qualify. Uh, it would ban um, uh, beef farming, dairy farming, uh, poultry industry, hunting, fishing, trapping. Um, the bottom line is, is that this initiative goes in and, and they're trying to say removes exemptions of what animal cruelty is. Um, so Oregon, the way it's written is, you know, first degree misdemeanor is, don't quote me on this, but just as an example, you know, uh, leaving your dog outside uh, without water for four days, you know, and it goes through and it lists everything, <clears throat> hunting, legal hunting, uh, animal husbandry, all that stuff is, in their words, exempted in current language. Um, this would, this would remove all those exemptions, uh, would create new penalties, um, one of the biggest issues is artificial insemination. Um, they call it rape and sexual abuse uh, of an animal. Um, and so not only does this uh, initiative affect our family, right? Anglers, hunters, 
trappers, um, but the dairy industry, the poultry industry, um, you know, something as simple as um, they get into some details about what constitutes injury or death. Um, you know, one of the, you know, if you, if you have a rat trap, um, that it does not an instant kill, um, but it's a glue trap or something. And the rat is there for six hours struggling before it is either killed or dies of its own. Um, that penalty's uh, much more extreme. Um, it, it's, it, it's very radical. And as I said to you before, this guy, uh, this animal rights activist who's running this, um, he admits in in an interview with uh, some show that he was on, he said it's a radical initiative, and um, you know he says he's working with the socialists and comrades that he um, identifies <laughs> with. I'm not kidding you. I can send you the video. It's it's yeah, hour, I would love to see it. Hour long. Um, so <clears throat> it, it it's it, we're taking it seriously. Um, it's Portland. Um, 112,000 signatures out of over 3 million voters um, is not that far of a stretch. Um, he currently, um, they don't have a lot of financial backing right now, um, but historically, a lot of times what you'll find is that once something does make it on the ballot, you'll find humane societies of the world and all that all of a sudden will dump in um, a ton of money if they see there's an opportunity there. Um, so we're, we're taking it, uh, we're taking it very serious, uh, building a large coalition out there. Um, and we just kind of got to wait and see. He, uh, decided not to, um, have paid petitioners. So, um, Oregon law does not require them to submit signatures, um, at any time frame. So we currently have no idea, uh, how many signatures, uh, they've gathered to date um, since they got the okay in July. Uh, they obviously got the first 1,000 that they needed to get the Attorney General uh, and the Secretary of State to review the language and get it, quote, uh, you know, uh, approved to, to go out for signature gathering. Um, but um, if they do decide to pay petitioners, um, they would then have to start submitting uh, on a monthly basis of how many signatures they've gotten. So to date, um, it's a it doesn't appear to be, um, you know, a full-fledged uh, paid circulator type deal with professional signature gatherers. It's a volunteer uh, type basis right now. Again, all that being said, this is is Portland, it's Portland, Oregon, and so um, you know we're we're going at this full force. Uh, you know, under the assumption that it's a done deal, it's going to be on the um, ballot and. They're going to try to do away with all that in the state of Oregon. Do you think it'll be received like the California bill about black bear hunting and also the 3030 precursor? Do you think there's enough of an appetite for this to be defeated? I mean, because it encompasses a large swath of industry. So I feel like there would be a lot of interest to defeat it. I mean, it it's pretty ironic. I mean, it would be laughable if it was any place else, but yeah. I grew up in the Northwest and Portland's wacko, man. I mean, of their, course. their motto is keep Portland weird. <laughs> and they have 2.4 million citizens there out of a state of 4 million, you know? So they only need 112,000 signatures to get it on there, throw a bunch of money behind it, change the, you know, skew that uh, PR perception when you're marketing it. And God knows what would happen. 
And, but yeah, I mean, it is nuts. Here we're talking about uh, COVID and this, you know, petition and it's being based on public health. Yet here in Oregon, this petition would completely fly in the face of public health. Killing vermin would become illegal. No. The only the only exceptions to this are in self defense. Goodness, know, you can make a make a defense that you know the mouse carries this disease, therefore I have a right to kill it. Or I don't know, I was cornered by a mouse. Don't know, but uh, you know it's it would be laughable except for Portland's nuts. You know? So yeah, you know, but there would be. It, it would be fighting an uphill battle, I would think, because of the meat industry, the poultry industry, uh, everything. I mean, it bans everything. I think I wrote a piece on it. It's this this is like the dream, the the new world order that they would want. Uh, you could still eat meat, but the cow has to die of natural processes first. It's just, it's absolutely nutty. Just let me give you another quick example, Gabby. So... If this were to pass, so let's say that a family, um, let's say a family's out uh, fishing, okay? Um, so a family catches trout. I know you like your recent new love is fly fishing for trout, I think, right? Yes. So you're out in Oregon, you're fly fishing, um, and because it's trout, you're just doing catch and release, right? You're not going to take it home and eat it up. So you release it back uh, into the river. However, uh, after you pulled the fly out, the fish is bleeding a little bit. Um, so thus, thus the fish has been injured, right? And, and it's an intentional act, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a penalty for that, right? Um, because you can't injure an animal, let alone, let alone kill the animal. Where it gets even worse is, let's say, and I know you're not married, but let's say you, 10 years from now, you're out with your husband and your kids and you're fishing for that same trout. Um, and you decide we're going to do catch and release. Um, we're not hungry tonight. And your son or daughter witnesses you pulling a fly out and the fish bleeding and you putting the fish back into the river. Because there was a minor president, the penalty is increased. Because your son or daughter um, saw that. Hmm. So then you run... Um, you run into a felony as opposed to some sort of misdemeanor because a child was present while you were injuring um, an animal or let alone if you're out, you know, in a blind and, you know, yeah. God yeah, forbid you, know, you harvest a deer or something and your kids with you. Laws. I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's out there, Gabby. It's, it's really out there. Um, and, and as Brian said, if this was, you know, in 47 of the other States, you'd say, well, you know, this is crazy, but it's Oregon and we're taking it seriously and everyone and everyone else should. Absolutely. Else, they need to pay attention to this stuff. Amen. And you guys are well on top of that. I appreciate you guys coming on. We're going to defer everyone to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'll make sure everyone is connected. Thank you guys for coming on and let's do this again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Gabby. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of our listenership hails from. So if you head over to Apple, 
subscribe, comb through some episodes, and leave us reviews. We'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds. All of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by blue check marks. Really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries. Stay tuned for the next episode. Really appreciate you listening to District of Conservation.